0: Mountain Town, by Ivory Harlow, Rosario, E, Intercontinental Houston Airport IH, the sun welcomed Rosario to her new home. That morning she woke up in Reynosa, a city in the state of Tamaulipas, Mexico. She grabbed the one small bag she brought with her to the United States and left behind everything she'd known for her 19 years of life. Rosario had not traveled beyond Tamaulipas before leaving Mexico for Texas. She was born in the small town of Palmillas. At 15, she left school to find work. In Texas, children are required to attend school until graduation or age 19. But in Mexico, leaving school at age 15 is common. In fact, most boys do not finish octavo grade because there are more jobs available for boys and they earn 18 to 20 pesos more per hour than girls earn. Rosa moved to Reynosa, a much larger city, 420 kilometers from her childhood home in Palmillas. She found work with a ciudad trader who operated several puestos in the city selling candies, sodas, cigarettes, chips, and snacks. Rosario proved herself to be a trustworthy employee. She handled cash swiftly and proficiently. She never complained about the long hours on her feet like his other employees. Rosa liked her customers, particularly the regulars who shopped before and after work. The trader saw Rosa's potential and assigned her to his busiest puesto in the downtown business district. Though her base wage was only 200 pesos, about $11 US dollars a day, she earned an additional 200 pulgadas sales commissions. Everything you eat and drink on duty is on me, the trader told her. She helped herself to bimbo's bizcochos for breakfast and Doritos with lime salt for lunch. She kept living expenses low by sharing an apartment with five other teenagers. While the girls spent money on cigarettes, pot, alcohol, and partying, Rosario saved money and stayed home. Jurre, only young once, Her roommates taunted. Come out with us. Rosa politely declined. She preferred peace and quiet to loud crowds and noisy nightlife. Plus, every peso she pinched brought her closer to her dream of moving to America. Dos, how is business today? The American man greeted Rosa in English. A frequented the puesto regularly when in Reynosa for business. When he discovered Rosario spoke English as well as she spoke Spanish, he began talking to her in English only. Rosario began studying English in junior high school, but unlike her peers, she took learning English seriously. Mastering the language would be to her advantage when she grew up and moved to America. The man introduced himself as George Cruz, but Rose was sure his name really was Jorge Cruz and that he was a first-generation Mexican-American. George wore a dark blue suit with a starched white shirt. A had coiffed, thick black hair. His eyes looked black against his Guero light skin. A stopped at the puesto between meetings in the mid-afternoon. By that time he had a five oak oak pepper-gray shadow of facial hair. Rosario studied George's face as she handed him his coke and change. It was probably her father's age, but had aged more gracefully as a businessman, than her father had as a laborer. George's belly tugged at the lower shirt buttons around his middle. The skin on his hands looked smooth, his fingernails buffed. He wore an expensive-looking watch and a pinky ring. It's been a busy day. And George? Rosario inquired about George's business respectfully. They saw me. He always enjoy traveling to Reynosa for business. It feels like a small town compared to Mexico City. It seemed worldly and well-traveled. It surprised her he preferred Reynosa. But then, Mexico City is a direct flight from Houston, which makes a shorter day of travel, he admitted have you ever been to texas in the united states rosario didn't want to admit that she had never even been to mexico city no but i want to travel to america someday she answered surprised by her own boldness she had never shared her dream with anyone let alone a stranger is that so eight chuckled did you grow up around here no i grew up in a village called palmillas in the southern part of the state he moved to Reynosa four years ago and i've worked here ever since. You look too young to have worked here for four years, George frowned. Rose blushed with embarrassment. People like him would never permit a daughter to work and live on her own at 19, let alone 15. What is your business in Reynosa? She tried changing the subject. He manage American resorts for a large corporation. My employer owns properties in the American states of Texas, Florida, and California that appeal to a sophisticated traveler, he said. Three-star restaurants, one sellers. Cabanas with ocean views, spas. He listed posh amenities. Rosario could see vibrant green golf courses and cool blue pools in her mind's eye. Houston sits at the center of major highways between Los Angeles and Miami, and between the USA and Latin America. Your fluency in both Spanish and English would be an asset to the company. You are young, but I can see that you are a hard worker, yam. Rosario replied enthusiastically. George print broadly. I am flying back to Houston tomorrow morning. I will speak with the Human Resources Department if there are positions available, if you'd like. You would like that very much. You will find you when I return to Reynosa." George chipped his Coke bottle to toast Rosario and walked away briskly. Rosa was so engrossed in their conversation that she had not noticed the growing line of customers behind George. She took a deep breath to collect herself. She didn't want to count back the change incorrectly. Customers were quick to tell her if they received too little change, but they happily padded their pockets when she gave them much money back. Shorting her cash box would come out of her wages. 3. Rosa couldn't sleep that night. She lay on her lumpy, second-hand mattress fantasizing about sleeping on a new, firm mattress under crisp white hotel linens. Rosario searched and scrolled Instagram accounts featuring American resorts. She could see herself there. She felt stupid for not asking George questions. Was living in America expensive? She knew she'd make much more than she did working in Mexico, but how much more expensive would it be to live there? How would she get to America to work without a passport or papers? What kind of resort job would she work? Customer service? Cleaning rooms? serving food? One thing was certain, she would do any job for however many hours she needed to move to America. Once she proved she was an excellent employee, they'd promote her, just as the trader had. George had not mentioned when he would return, only that he would bring news when he did. Rosario's elation took a nosedive when she realized it could be weeks of sleepless nights before she saw him again. Rosario's co-workers were not reliable and the trader often asked her to cover other puestos. What if she missed George's return altogether? She should have given him her phone number. A Google search of George Cruz produced hundreds of hits, and she wasn't even sure if that was the American way to spell Cruz. It could be Cruz or Cruz. Rosa didn't know his company's name or other identifying information that might narrow her search results. Rosario walked around in a fog of distraction, waiting for George to return. What's up with you Rosa? You didn't hear a word of what I said, did you? Valeria scolded Rose the next morning in the bathroom. They crowded in the apartment's small bathroom, getting ready for work. I'm sorry Val. Tell me again, she rallied all her attention to her friend. You're not sick, are you? Val posed. Putting on mascara to a Rosario suspiciously in the bathroom mirror. No, good. Let me use your lip gloss then. you like that color, Bal The five roommates agreed makeup is communidad property, like cookware and linens. Their makeup commingled in an oversized clear tub, stored in the bathroom vanity. Rosa traded Val the gloss for the mascara, why are you not sleeping well? Bal asked, then dabbed her lips with the wand. What's on your mind? Rosario had been itching to tell someone, anyone, about George's promise and the prospect of work in America. Valeria, can you keep a secret? Rosario asked in a hushed tone. Val had a big personality and a lot of friends, but after living with her for cuatro years, Rose knew she was trustworthy and considerate. Val tossed the gloss in the tub and looked at Rosario's eyes in the mirror. Of course, I'm going to work in America. Rosario told her about meeting George, his American resorts and how he was going to help her get a job there. He is in Houston right now. I'm meeting with him when he returns to Reynosa." Rosario rambled on and on about her exciting news. It was so uncharacteristic of her that Val had listened without interjecting. Now, she turned away from the mirror and leaned against the sink to look directly at Rosario. Guadalupe, my mom's cousin, is in El Cerezo Women's Prison of Ciudad Juarez. She has an eight-year sentence for drug smuggling, Val said. Bal had never mentioned her second cousin before. She was a domestic worker in Reynosa for many years. She married a local man and had two boys. Then her husband left her. Lupe struggled to make ends meet. She met a man who promised her a better life in America, plus he'd pay her way there and get her a passport. All she had to do was transport some goods with her. Rosa listened intently. My cousins came to stay with us when she left for California. It was only supposed to be for a few months until their mom sent for them, Valeria explained. You met my brothers, Diego and Juan? They are actually my cousins. They lived with us after their mom went to prison. Rosa's face flushed with anger. She understood what Val was implying. Rosario wasn't stupid. She would never agree to transport drugs. It sounds too good to be true. That's all, Val said, sensing the tension between them. Rosa didn't reply. "Iman, think about it, why wouldn't George just hire an American? Anyone can work at a hotel. It's not like you have some special skill, Rosario wanted to defend herself. She had special skills. George said her fluency in both English and Spanish was an asset. A complimented her work ethic. She wanted to say so to Val, but New Valeria would counter that a lot of workers are bilingual, and everyone has a good work ethic when they have bills to pay. You don't want something bad to happen to you, Val said sympathetically. I know, Rosa said, wishing she hadn't shared her secret with Val. Cuatro. Weeks seemed to pass slower while she waited for George to return. It occurred to her she wasn't unhappy with her life before George planted the seed of hope in her heart. Now she resented her job at the puesto and her crowded apartment. Maybe the summer heat was contributing to her restlessness. The weatherman attributed the unbearable August temps to El Niño warming the stratosphere above the equator. Vaya calor. The Puesto's customers complained as they purchased ice cold agua frescas, sodas, and paletas to cool them down. Keeping products cold was a challenge. There were frequent interruptions in electrical service due to pressure on the grid. The trader made rounds to the Puesto's delivering ice multiple times a day. By either time he returned to refill the coolers, the ice had melted into a pool of water. Rosario sat a few feet from the Puesto under the shade of a large oak tree. She chomped on ice chips to bring her body temperature down. In the distance, she saw a man of George's size and stature emerge from a mirage of thick, wavy air. It was George. Rosa jumped to her feet, squinting her eyes to see through the sun. She waved wildly, then felt self-conscious. How do you staying cool in this heat? It greeted her with a smile. She nodded. Coca-Cola, she offered, pulling a glass bottle from the bottom of the cooler, where it would be coldest. Gracias. Please keep the change, thank you." Rosa frantically searched for a way to ask about the American job without sounding pushy or rude. Though it was all she had thought about for weeks, he might have forgotten. It was an important businessman with more important things to think about than a girl wanting a menial job Is the weather this hot in Houston. She asked, hoping to jog his memory—yes, but less humidity than Reynosa. houston feels more comfortable—Rosario smiled politely respectantly. Have you had time to think about our last conversation. George had taken her bait. Rosario's face lit up. Yes, she blurted. Her enthusiasm didn't seem to bother George. His smile widened. I'm glad to hear that. Are you available to discuss the opportunity over dinner? Tonight, patio en el barrio, 8 de la noche? Yes, of course, Rosa beamed. I'll be waiting, George said, his eyes twinkling. Thanks for the coke. Yay, see you tonight. Ube, where are you off to? Sofía whistled. She lay on her bed in their shared bedroom, watching Rosa Primp. Restaurante Patio en el Barrio. That is an expensive place. Sophia's interest piqued. A date? Rosario shook her head. No. That isn't a place you go for Taco Tuesday. Sophie said skeptically. It isn't a date. It is a meeting. Who are you meeting? A businessman. About business. Sounds like a date. Sophie teased. Is old enough to be my father. That means nothing to men. In fact, he's probably whining and dining you at patio in el barrio because you are young and hot." Sophie warned. Rosario rolled her eyes. Is that what you are wearing? Sophie asked. It was a dumb question. Why would Rosa change out of work clothes into black dress slacks and a chiffon blouse if she didn't plan to wear it up? It's the nicest thing I have, Rosario said apologetically. Let me help you, Sophie said and walked over to the large closet the roommates shared. She produced three dresses, a red dress with a keyhole neckline and pencil skirt, a little black dress with a flared skirt, and a teal cocktail dress. Rosario pointed to the teal dress because it was the most conservative of the three. The color complements your complexion. Sophie approved of her selection. She suggested Rosario wear her dark hair down and drew a thin line of eyeliner around Rosa's sable-colored eyes. Rosario insisted on wearing black opaque nylons. The dress was knee-length, but she still worried she was showing too much skin. Sofia offered a pair of black, shiny stiletto pumps. I'll teeter like a newborn calf trying to walk in those. Rosario said and opted for a pair of low-heeled matte black pumps instead. Curious passengers looked Rosa up and down during her bus ride to the restaurant. She wished she had splurged for a cab to avoid the unwanted attention. Patio, as foodies referred to it, was located in El Barrio, on the quarter, a historic and beautiful section of the city. The restaurant was an antique brick building with heavy wooden doors that opened to posh patio seating. Streams of lights illuminated the patio and cast a warm and inviting glow. Rosario walked towards the matronly host. She was hyperconscious of the ticking sound her heels made on the brick floor and tried to shift her weight to the palms of her feet. The restaurant bustled on Tuesday night. She they heard it was difficult to get reservations at patio. She had never eaten at a restaurant requiring reservations before. Maya help you. The hostess asked, I'm meeting someone here, Rosario nervously scanned the patio. That's his name, dear? George Cruz. Ah, she smiled, this way, please. The woman led Rosario inside the restaurant to the bar. There were shelves of fancy liquor bottles on display on shelves built in fancy brick arches. The bar was antique brick, topped with a polished black marble top. There were a dozen black barstools. The hostess delivered Rosa to George. A tipped his head to acknowledge her and pulled out an empty stool he'd saved for her. You will prepare your table now, M. Cruz the hostess said. Thank you, Dolores. Would you like a drink? George asked Rosario. Rosario panicked. She had tasted alcohol twice in her life, a swig from her father's Takati beer and sacramental wine at her first communion ceremony. She wasn't fond of either, "Wine, please. She said. Wain seemed like a sophisticated drink to order. They have an excellent red from the Rioja region of Spain, George suggested. That sounds good, George ordered for her. The bartender poured wine into a tall crystal glass and presented it to Rosa. A few minutes later, Dolores returned to take them to a small table with a brilliant white tablecloth and linen napkins. George ordered an appetizer, ceviche marinated in citrus, with tomatoes, onions, jalapeños, and Mexican tostadas. Then prompted Rosa to order. She chose a chicken artre that contained familiar ingredients. George ordered Chilean sea bass for himself. He have good news for you. George took a sip of his wine. The job is yours if you relocate to Houston immediately, Yes, she said, loud enough to draw attention from nearby tables. George laughed at her promptness. The wine and the excitement flushed Rosario's cheeks rose pink. She toned her voice to a hush and asked, What is the job, Jewel will work in the spa this spa caters to elite clients. Clients that demand high-quality, professional, personalized service. The word, elite, conjured images of celebrities and athletes. She supposed executives, doctors, and lawyers also visited the spa. I can do that, Rosario said. I trust you can, George flashed a smile. It will take a week to secure your passport and paperwork. Then the company will arrange your travel to Houston. Do you have questions? Rosario leaned toward George. I have a little money saved, but. How much money do I need for the paperwork and travel expenses? she asked in a hushed tone. George waved his hand to dismiss her worry. There is no need for you to pay anything until you begin work. The company will deduct a small amount from each paycheck to pay your debt, and you don't have to worry about living expenses. Employee dormitories provide private rooms with bathrooms. They offer shared common areas, kitchen, living, and laundry. The company provides meals. They deduct food and housing fees from your pay. In short, they will meet all your needs. Rosario let out an enormous sigh of relief. She leaned back in her chair and smiled. Cheers to a new life in America. George lifted his glass to toast. Rosario raised her glass and drank. B. Rosa agreed to pay in mil pesos, a fee of roughly 11,000 dollars for an airline ticket, passport, and papers verifying employment. It seemed like a lot of money, but she would earn more money in America, plus, she could pay off the debt over two years. By that time, Rosario expected to have completed the naturalization process. After her interaction with Val, Rosario was reluctant to share her plans with anyone. She would wait to tell her family until she settled in Houston. But she had to tell the trader that she was quitting her job at the puesto, and her roommates that she was moving out. The trader offered Rosario a 4 pesos per hour raise to stay. Thank you, but I've made up my mind, she said. She tried to deliver the news to her roommates in the same low-key way. It took her a week to find the right words at the right time, when they gathered in the kitchen to pick at a frozen pizza before going clubbing. be moving out at the end of the month. They peppered her with questions. Are you leaving town? Did you quit your job? Where do you get the money? Rosa felt tempted to tell them the truth. Not only was she leaving town and quitting her job, she was leaving the country and had a new job, making a lot more money, lined up. She wanted to rub her good fortune in Valeria's face, put her in her place after insinuating her opportunity was a scam. Here travel documents arrived earlier that day. She hid them under her mattress. She had the urge to show them to Val to prove they were not contingent on transporting goods. However, she'd learned it was not a good idea to volunteer more information than was necessary the hard way and revealed as little as possible this time. They finally quit badgering her for details after she doled out belongings means she couldn't fit in the one bag she could carry on the plane. Siete. Rosa had a very early flight. Reynosa's airport was for domestic flights only. She had a connecting flight at the International Airport in Monterrey, then on to Houston. It made for a long day of travel. By either time she landed at IH, the fluorescent lights bouncing off the polished airport linoleum stung her tired eyes. The woman who arranged Rosario's travel instructed her to proceed to a passenger pickup when she arrived in Houston. A resort employee will be waiting. Rosario scanned the area, unsure who she should look for, Miss Rosario. A tall man wearing black slacks, a crisp polo shirt, and polished dress shoes approached her. Yes. I'm here to transport you to the dormitory at the Grand, he said. May I take your bag? He can carry it. But thank you, she said, embarrassed by her shabby luggage. A led Rosa to a black Escalade parked in the passenger loading zone and opened the door. A didn't say a word as he made his way down the highway toward the city skyline. She wanted to ask if he was from Houston. Did he enjoy living and working at the resort? But the driver's stone-cold expression and silence deterred her. She remembered George mentioning resort employees must be professional and keep client confidentiality. Perhaps the driver was used to transporting clients? Mavi the boss frowned upon exchanging pleasantries with fellow employees. Basque had descended upon Houston. The skyline was brilliant with shades of pink, purple, orange, and blue. Rosa admired the colors reflecting in Buffalo Bayou as they passed over the river. The escalade stopped at a pedestrian crossing on Commerce Street. Rosario recognized the name, Allen's Landing, on a historical marker outside her window. She read the plaque. 1836, often described as Houston's heart, Allen's Landing is the spot where August St. John K. Allen stepped ashore and claimed Houston as their own. The confluence of Buffalo and White Oak Bayou's became Houston's first port and a thriving commercial hub. She made a mental note to return to the spot after she got settled. She wanted to take a selfie with the sign for Instagram to claim Houston as her own. The driver pulled up to a discreet brick building. A short and stoic woman stood in front of the entrance, awaiting Rosa's arrival. Rosa got out of the vehicle and walked towards her. The woman was older than she appeared from through the car window. Coarse black hair with an inch of gray roots, deep frown lines, and wrinkles around her eyes gave her actual age away. Rosie. I'm Lola, the business manager. Hello, Lola. My name is actually Rosario, but I go by Rosa for short, she said, trying to sound friendly. She hoisted her duffel on her shoulder, it felt sore from carrying it all day. Lola is mid-kid. Follow me," she said. They walked a few steps to the dormitory's front door. Lola pulled a large key ring from her pocket with dozens of keys. A large man sat at the front desk. He acknowledged Lola but didn't look at Rosario. His bulging neck and all-business demeanor suggested he was a security guard for the facility. It seemed strange to her that the facility needed security. See they always heard American cities were much safer than Mexican cities. She hadn't noticed graffiti, broken windows, or sketchy people loitering around. It didn't seem like a bad part of town. In fact, the dormitory and surrounding buildings, manicured and landscaped lawns impressed her. She followed Lola through the reception area and down a long hallway. The concrete brick walls were white. Doors lined both sides. She could hear faint TV, music, and talking as she passed them. Lola stopped abruptly in front of a door at the end of the hall. She took out her ring of keys and unlocked the door. She waved for Rosario to go inside and flipped on the lights. Wall lockers were to Rosario's left, and a small bathroom to her right. The room itself was small with minimal furniture, a night table, dresser, and a full-size bed. There was a neat stack of folded bedding and towels on the bed. There were no windows, It is late now, Lola stated, and most of the girls are working. He will send for you tomorrow to discuss the details of your employment, Lola stated. The kitchen and day room are on the second floor. We sat, she exited the room. Rosario heard her lock the door behind her. Rosario checked the time on her phone. It was 9 de la noche she assumed she'd missed the evening meal. She had exchanged pesos for American dollars at the airport currency exchange. But couldn't bring herself to spend $20 for a sandwich and drink at the airport. Now she wished she had. The only things she'd eaten all day were two bags of pretzels the flight attendants had given out on the plane. She'd refilled the tiny water bottles they'd given her in the airport restroom. She pulled it out of her duffel bag and tried to drink away her hunger. When that didn't work, she set out to find the kitchen on the second floor. She opened the door to leave her room and realized Lola had not given her a key to lock the door of her apartment. She would ask Lola for one tomorrow. For now. She left the door slightly ajar. She didn't have anything valuable to lock up. Anyway, Rosa took the metal stairwell to the second floor. She followed the scent of microwave popcorn to the kitchen. A black girl draped herself across an oversized chair in the dayroom. She was eating popcorn and scrolling on her phone. Rosa noticed the headphone wires trailing down her neck. She bobbed her head to music and seemed not to notice Rosa. Rosario opened the kitchen cupboards. They were fully stocked. Excuse me? She called across the kitchen, attempting to get the girl's attention. She looked about Rosario's age, 19 or early 20s. Her natural African hair was big and bleached orange blonde. She wore thick false eyelashes that seemed to weigh down her eyelids. Rosa walked over to get her attention. The girl looked up and took an earbud out of her ear. Excuse me? I am sorry to interrupt you. I am new here. He was wondering if the food belongs to someone or is it for everyone. Rosario recalled the time she ate Vals She never lived it down, even after buying Val a replacement plus a bonus bag. Eat whatever you want, the girl encouraged Rosa, it don't belong to nobody. They keep it stocked, thank you. My name is Rosario, I'm Tania. Where are you from? Tania asked. Northern Mexico, Rosario assumed Tania wouldn't know where Reynosa was. The only place in Mexico that most Americans know in Mexico is Cancun. How long have you worked here? Rosario asked. He'd been here three years total. He left for a spell, then came back to work, Tanya said. I'm from Baton Rouge originally. That's in Louisiana, the next state over. He worked in New Orleans until Hurricane Katrina. He evacuated to Houston during the storm. Then I started working here, Rosario's stomach growled, Gel. Don't let me keep you from eating. Rosario returned to the kitchen, took a cup noodles out of the cupboard, and put it in the microwave. Sti searched the fridge while it cooked. Sti set out bread and American cheese to make a sandwich. Tanya sat at one of the long cafeteria-style tables, watching her new friend. So what's your story? What are you in for? Sti asked Chipper. In for? I've seen a lot of girls come and go since I've been here. This ain't nobody's first choice, if you know what I mean. So why you here you he wanted to live in America. George helped me get paperwork to work here and travel here. You he will be paying back those costs, of course. ah uh. paying back and then some Tanya laughed. They put a roof over our heads and keep us fed, but they take a premium out of our pay. He started working here after I had got mixed up with some bad people. You owed a lot of money. Lola paid my debt, but then I owed her plus interest. He didn't really have a choice if I wanted to stay alive, Lola the business manager. Rosario asked, Is that what she calls herself? Tanya chuckled. Madam is more like it. "I e I guess she manages business by pimping girls out. Rosario was speechless. She didn't know how to respond to what she'd just heard. The spa job she was offered, the housing and food, the ease of getting paperwork and a passage to America, and the debt she promised to pay back it was all beginning to make sense. Want some advice? Tanya asked. Keep up to Lola. Do everything she say. Make her life easier. Some of these girls they give Lola trouble. They act entitled. Not me. I play by Lola's rules. I'm good to Lola and so Lola she's good to me. Sends me the big spenders. You make more money than all of them girls, and I work less too, Tanya said proudly. You seem like a good girl, too good to be here, Tanya softened her tone, questioning Rosa in a motherly way, Rosa looked down at her hands. Her face reddened with shame. George knew she was desperate to come to America, and that she was too young and dumb to know that he was exploiting her. Now she understood the purpose of his business trips to Reynosa and Mexico City. To entice young women to come to Houston for work, then enslave them as sex workers, though good to be true. Valeria's words rang in Rosario's head. Bal tried to warn her. How could she have been so naïve, Jo okay? Tanya asked, yes, sorry. I'm just tired. It's been a long day. Rosa struggled to maintain her bearing. She wasn't going to admit to Tanya, a stranger, that all this was news to her, and she certainly wasn't looking for sympathy. she they gotten herself into this mess. Gil, go get some rest. Ask around for me if you need anything, Tanya offered, Iguil Rosario said and retreated to her room. Ocho. Rosario slept soundly, despite the disturbing information she received from Tanya. A knock on her door roused her from sleep. She stumbled through the darkness and opened the door. You missed breakfast, so I figured you wouldn't want to miss lunch, the young girl said. They served it in the kitchen from 11 to 2 de la tarde, Miss Lola wants to see you after. There were no windows in the room therefore no light to alert Rosa to the time of day. She looked at her phone and saw it was already noon. She was too nervous to eat, so she showered and dressed and walked to the reception area to inquire where to find Lola. Lola's office was behind the security desk on the first floor. Rosa found her there, seated behind a large mahogany desk. Several photographs of young women strewn across the desk. Three tall filing cabinets lined the wall, their contents spilled out of the drawers. Seat. Lola insisted, pointing to the leather chair in front of her desk. Rosario sat as instructed. Lola walked over to the cabinet and pulled out a single file. Rosario saw her name on the tab. Lola paged through its contents. this spa operates 24 hours a day. Girls work 12-hour shifts. All services are by appointment. You will be available for an appointment anytime during your shift. Do you understand? Yes. You will report to the front desk 30 minutes before your shift. A driver will transport you to the resort spa. You will wait for the appointment in a private spa room. Each room has a massage table and soft music. There is an array of oils, lotions, and warm, soapy water to wash and pamper the client. Keep your eye on the clock, Lola said sternly. She explained Rosa should finish the session with some variation of a happy ending, oral sex, a hand job, or whatever else the customer requests. Exclusive clients request spa services in their resort rooms. They pay a premium. I made those arrangements. Tanya mentioned that, Rosa remembered. Jube met Tanya. Have you? Tanya understands the system. You can learn a lot from her, Lola suggested. Today, you will go to the spa to be fitted for lingerie and bikinis. You will deduct the uniform expense from your pay. Then, you will meet a woman who will teach you how to be a prostitute. Of course. There are videos you can watch for further instruction. What questions do you have, Rose?" Lola asked. Her voice was cold and unfeeling. Rosario's stomach was in her throat. She was so anxious she feared if she opened her mouth to ask a question, she might throw up. Lola only waited for a second before continuing the lecture. Some rules here. No one leaves without permission from me. She held up her keys for Rosario to see. She took a small envelope out of a drawer and slid it across the desk to Rosario. Here is a key to your room. You also have a key. If you try to hide anything from me, I will find it. They serve breakfast from 7 de la mañana to 9 y 30 de la mañana, lunch from 11 y 30 de la mañana to 2 de la tarde, dinner from 6 de la tarde to 8 y 30 de la noche. The kitchen is fully stocked for meals and snacks outside those hours. You will not engage in relations with clients outside of work. That includes personal communications. Do not give out your personal phone number. Lola lifted a copy of the contract Rosario had signed in Reynosa out of the file. Your debt is sixteen thousand eight hundred and forty-eight dollars and sixty cents. She read off the paper. Rosario leaned in towards Lola, straining her neck to read the digits on the contract. I was told once mil pesos. It is sixteen thousand eight hundred and forty-eight dollars and sixty cents with interest over two years. Failure to meet your debt obligation is a bad thing, she warned. Your family, Juan Carlos and Josefina in Palmillas, do not have the means to pay your debt if you default, I'm sure. How did Lola know her parents' names? And where she grew up? Rosario remembered the passport application and information for the background check she had provided for employment. He gave them everything to ruin me. He put my family in danger. i am so stupid, of course, like any loan, you can pay your debt sooner. That's up to you." Rosario wondered how much of a paycheck she'd have left after deductions for debt, housing, and food. Gould there be anything left to put extra towards her debt? She felt so angry she could not make eye contact with Lola. She diverted her attention to the filing cabinets and thought about the hundreds—perhaps thousands of files—girls just like her. A driver will pick you up in front of the dormitory at 3 de la tarde. Lola stood up from behind her desk, signaling for Rosario to leave. Rosario retreated down the hallway to her room. She had never felt so powerless. She was in a foreign country. No one back home even knew she was here, and she knew no one here in Houston to call for help. She had a work permit to work for the resort. If she ran away and tried to find work somewhere else in Houston, Lola would certainly report she was no longer an employee. They would deport her to Mexico, with a debt of $16,848.60. If she were to get her old job back, it would take nearly 10 years for her to pay the debt. She'd end up back where she started in Mexico, only as a prostitute or selling drugs. It was the only way to pay her debt and keep herself and her family safe and alive. Nueve. She took Tanya's advice to kiss up to Lola and quickly earned Lola's trust. Lola rebranded Rosario Rosa to play up her delicate persona. The name, and sweetheart personality, appealed to clients. Men like that young, Innocent thing you got going, on, Tanya stated, except I'm not pretending to be young and innocent, Tanya. Yeah, actually am, Rose made $800 to $1,000 a shift. Often, clients would slip her cash tips. Tanya warned her to be extra careful about hiding tips. Rose smuggled them into the dormitory in her bra. She rolled hundred 100 dollars bills tight like cigarettes and hid them inside empty tampon cartridges. She stored the box of tampons in her vanity where Lola wouldn't give it a second glance. Lola granted Rosa permission to go wherever she wanted when she was off shift. The other prostitutes loved to party. They hit the Houston club scene. Boasting it was the best in Texas, equal to New York and Elia the girls spent their money on drugs and alcohol, and bought designer handbags, clothes, and shoes. They got their hair and makeup done and their nails manicured regularly. Rosa clung to her cash. The same way she did in Mexico to keep her cost of living low. She put every cent of her paycheck towards her debt and reserved her secret stash of cash for when she got out of there. Tanya worked the circuit of resorts the company owned in Houston, Miami, and Los Angeles. She encouraged Rose to do the same. The rate in Miami was $500 an hour, and Los Angeles was $550 an hour, higher than the rate in Houston. Rose took Tanya's advice, which delighted Lola. More income and a higher volume of appointments made Lola look good. Plus, Lola knew that girls who got used to making that kind of cash became addicted to it, and the lifestyle it afforded them. They were less likely to leave after they paid their debt, that's why I came back to work here," Tanya admitted. I couldn't support myself working a $5.85 an hour job at Walmart. He tried dancing in New Orleans for a minute, but exotic dancing is way more dangerous and I made a lot less. I know it don't feel like it, but we safe here. Sure, gentlemen's clubs have bouncers, but the minute you step outside, you on your own. At least here we have protection at work and after work. Do you still think about leaving, doing something else? Rosario asked. Not seriously. Rosario raised an eyebrow at her. Okay. You know me good, Rose, Tanya chuckled. Sometimes I think I'm only twenty-four. I'm young enough to go straight. Start a new life somewhere else where nobody knows about my past. Where would you go? To start over? Not to Louisiana. Too many people know about me there. She paused thoughtfully. But I'd definitely stay in the South. Why? Southern hospitality Tanya smiled. That warm feeling of comfort and belonging. He've only experienced it in the South. He could never feel at home anywhere else. You think I might like to live in Atlanta, Georgia. Her voice trailed off dreamily. Ciao both, you rose? He grew up in Palmillas, a small, rural town in Mexico. Mountains surrounded my childhood home. It was very remote and beautiful. When I was 15, I moved to Reynosa to find work. Reynosa is a big city, not as big as Houston. He thought city life would be exciting, but I discovered I prefer the quiet, comfort of village life. You want to find the American equivalent of Palmillas. A tiny town tucked away in the mountains. Rosario often imagined herself in the mythical town to escape her reality. In fact, she visualized her special place so often that it felt real to her. As if she opened her eyes, she would be there. X. Scrimping and saving enabled Rose to pay her debt in 13 months instead of 24. You are free to go, but you can choose to stay, Lola said when Rose made the last payment. Think of the money you will make with no debt. Lola tried to seduce her. But money didn't motivate Rose. Not like it did Tanya, Rose didn't convince Tanya to leave. She knew her effort would be futile. But the closer Rose got to leaving, the more Tanya thought about leaving herself. Rosa wasn't sure she'd follow through until she saw Tanya lugging four stuffed suitcases down the hall on the day of her departure. Rosa carried only the same worn black duffel bag she had arrived with. She gave away everything she'd accumulated over the last trece years including lingerie, bikinis, and expensive gifts from regular clients. She wouldn't need them in her new life. Tanya and Rose agreed to travel to the Houston Amtrak station together, then part ways. Tanya was traveling east to Atlanta. Rose was going west towards the tallest mountains in America. You should come with me to Atlanta, Tanya suggested. Tanya had become Rose's dearest friend, but she harbored that Tanya would stay out of the business for long, even with a clean slate in a new city. We want very different lives, Rosario reminded her. I won't find what I'm looking for in Atlanta. Tanya seemed to accept the explanation. A cab picked them up in front of the dormitory. The Amtrak station was on Washington Avenue in downtown Houston. The cab drove down Commerce Street. It passed the historical marker at Allen's Landing that held so much promise when Rosario arrived in the United States just 13 months earlier. She was a different person now. This time. When the cab stopped at the red light, she turned her head away from the window. She had no desire to claim Houston as her own. They arrived at the depot and went directly to the ticket sales. Tanya would take the sunset, then get on the Crescent to Atlanta. Rose would head west on the Eagle. Tanya's train was the first to depart the station. Girl, I'm going to miss you. Tanya hugged Rose tight. I'll visit you in Atlanta someday, Rose promised as Tanya boarded the train. Rosario had 45 minutes until her train boarded. She looked over her passport, B-2 visitor visa, and the work authorization paperwork from her former employer. The clock was ticking. She had 11 months to become an American citizen before the expiration date on her form I-094. She held the documents to her heart and said a silent prayer. Once, Rosa watched the landscape change from Houston's coastal marsh to thick piney woods. She saw sand plains and Blackland Prairie Pass in the Amtrak window. Passengers stepped off the train for a crew change in Del Río, Texas. Del Río is so close to Mexico that she felt close enough to reach out and touch her old life. She fought the urge to go backward instead of forward and got back on the train. The train ran alongside the Río Grande for many miles. It passed over the Pecos River. Miles and miles of barren scrublands spread out before her. She was nodding off when she noticed a faint outline of mountains in the distance. She pressed her face to the window, curious. They appear to run together, but those are actually three mountain ranges. An elderly gentleman sitting next to her noted her curiosity. His wife sat beside him with her arms folded neatly in her lap. Are you from this area? Rosario asked. We have a home in Fort Worth, but we spend a great deal of time here each year. The warm and dry mountain air eases my wife's osteoarthritis. A patted his wife's hands. Schi smiled. What are you traveling to, young lady? The old woman asked with kindness. Actually, I'm not sure. I'm looking for a new place to live. How exciting. The woman's eyes lit up. Oh, to be young and free. She squeezed her husband's arm. Next stop Mountain Town, the conductor's voice came through the loudspeaker. The announcement interrupted their conversation. All coach passengers must step off the train. If mountain town is your final destination thank you for traveling with Amtrak Those continuing on the route can reboard in 15 minutes the conductor opened the rail car door and offered a hand to assist passengers as they disembarked. Rose was the first person out of the train she set her bag aside and turned to support the woman's other arm as she descended the steps thank you, sweet girl I hope you find what you are looking for the woman patted Rose's hand. Her husband tipped his hat as they left to collect their checked baggage. Rose walked around the station. It felt good to stretch her legs, and Mountain Town looked quaint and inviting. The railroad ran parallel to Main Street. Rose walked down the street, passing mom-and-pop shops selling antiques and jewelry, a barber, a coffee shop, and a bookstore. An old theater marquee advertised two new releases, they must still show movies there. At the end of the block, she encountered a three-story structure. Stee looked up at a rooftop sign proclaiming it to be the historic Mountain Town Hotel. She read, Bighorn Horn Bar and Grill, on the awnings. Eat must be the hotel restaurant. Stee could smell seared beef, spicy peppers, and onions wafting out of the building. What I'd give for a hearty hot meal after two days of cold sandwiches and chips aboard the train, she thought. Ste felt something in the pit of her stomach, aside from hunger, calling her to the hotel and restaurant. Stee heard the train whistle. Signaling cinco minutos until departure. It was time to board the train. She looked over at it, but her eyes focused on the tall ridge of mountains behind it. Everything I am looking for is here, Rose thought. Friendly people, a small town, mountains, an opportunity to start fresh. Final boarding call. She heard the conductor's voice projecting through the depot loudspeaker. Instead, she hoisted her duffel on her shoulder and walked towards mountain town.